For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, also Apple Podcasts. And we're on Dash Radio. That's every single weeknight at 7 p.m. That's their Nothing But Net channel. Also, check out Five Reasons YouTube channel. That's where you get the pregame show before floor, an hour before every heat game. And also the postgame show, Post Up 5R, as soon as they hit the buzzer. I'm not even going to tell you about the Dolphins stuff at this point. I know they're going to be angry at me, but I don't want you to be angry at me either. So that's why we're just going to skip right over it. All right. And also, 5reasonsports.com. Spell that one out, F-I-V-E reasonssports.com that's where you get the latest from one of our guests tonight and and i'll introduce him in a second and also from brady hawk who often joins us um, mateo mayorga and the rest of our heat crew also our dolphins crew yes you can read them there as well also check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network and you can play this every single day okay it's not just nfl it's also nba it's mlb of course the world series still going on for now at least we'll see if the braves pull it off but you can play prizepicks.com. But make sure you use the code 5, F-I-V-E. I've noticed people signing up. They're not using our code. You don't get the bonus. Sign up with the code 5. Yes, you can play if you're in Florida. It is legal in the state of Florida. People ask me that all the time. Sometimes they don't bother to sign up. Why would we be using them as a sponsor if you couldn't sign up in Florida? So use the code 5, F-I-V-E. Play prizepicks.com. If you have any questions about how to do it, you can also always DM me, okay? But the power play, the flex play, Two players, three players, four players, five players. They got all the props there. So go to prizepicks.com and use the code five. And now, tonight's episode. Down to uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's tonight's floor plan. I got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. I've got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. And we've got a special guest today. You can read his work on fivereasonsports.com and also... You can catch him on Full Court Press, which I know is going to be coming back here. His name is Marco Romo. He's got the little, uh, yeah, what is it? The little Marco Romo and then the underscore under it on Twitter. That's the new Twitter account. And he's going to have a new regular segment with us, which is going to come up a little bit later in the show. But what we're going to talk about today is just Jimmy Butler. Um, I was going through the numbers this morning and um, you start to say this and people start to say, don't do this to him. Um, they're LeBron-like. <laughs> I mean, I'm going through it. You look at LeBron James's best season. And we're early in the season. I understand that. Okay. The Heat have played six games. They've won five of them. They have the best net rating in the NBA coming into tonight. They passed Utah with their last win. But he- here's what Jimmy is putting up this season. Okay. This is through six games. 
25.3 points, seven rebounds, five and a half assists, 2.8 steals. His shooting splits, 53 from the field, 38 from three. Now, not a lot of volume there, but still. And then 89% from the line. Just for some context, again, I'm not saying he's LeBron. LeBron's best season with the Miami Heat, I think everyone agrees, was 2012-2013. That was the 27-game the winning streak, and he was absolutely lethal during it. Here's what he averaged. 27 points, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. I mean, there's not a lot of separation there. 1.7 steals, less than Jimmy. 56% from the field, a little bit better than Jimmy, but not a whole lot better. 40% from three, a little bit better. Of course, again, a little bit more volume than Jimmy. And then 75% from the line, which is below Jimmy. I'm not saying he's LeBron, Greg, okay? But I'm saying we haven't seen anybody do this here since LeBron and be in that kind of stratosphere. And it is raising the question here because I saw that they uh, NBA.com put him atop their MVP ladder. Could he be a serious MVP candidate? We sell the shirt on the site, Jim VP, but it was a little bit of a joke before. It's not really a joke right now, Greg. No, it's not. And I don't think that it's wrong of you to bring up LeBron in this context because it's not that we're necessarily, I mean, to your point, six games, so small sample size, but it's the way that he's doing it from a two-way perspective that I think like really mirrors what we saw from Braun and not many people have came through Miami and had two-way stretches the way we're seeing Jimmy play right now. Um, it looks like he's, I would say Jimmy Butler probably is at that spot where he recognizes he's at the height of his powers likely. And he also has probably the best team around him to maximize those powers. So you can really see him in his mindset change. Um, I'm really surprised as you look around the league, the free throw attempts are down by all these superstars. His free throw attempts are nearly flat to last year. Like I think it's 7.7 this year and it was eight last year. So that's basically even like, I just think that things are going right early. The two-way stuff has been awesome. And he knows that he's probably got his best shot now and he's showing it in the way that he's playing And man, he looks fresh. He does look fresh. And I went through some of the other numbers and I'll go to you here, Alex, in a second. He's already got eight dunks this season. He had 39 all of last year. Okay. That tells you his legs are fresh. Uh, some of that he's creating himself in transition with steals and then he's dunking on the other end. His mid-range percentages actually are a little bit below where they were last year, but he's shooting 75% from three feet and in. That would be a career best. Um, again, lift, ability to finish around the basket. Seems like that was from rest. But also the other thing is he's gone from having Alex about 34% of his field goals last year were assisted this year. It's 45%. That's a significant, that's not the percentage he's making him. That's the percentage of field goals he's making are assisted by someone. That is the Kyle Lowry effect. That is the ball not being in Jimmy's hands as often, but Alex, what else do you see from him defensively? We know he's able to play center field now because Lowry is, is, you know, obviously better at the point of attack. It allows Jimmy to be Jimmy, but just offensively, why has he been so efficient early? I love it because I think we all, or maybe at least on this show, underestimated just how much uh, of an offensive impact Lowry would have in that sense of just being able to maximize Jimmy. Like, I think we all understood that he would, you know, take a lot of burden off of Jimmy on both ends of the floor. And shout out to Marco because uh, last night on the Paces and Spaces, we, we, 
we kind of broached the subject a little bit and I said something that I'm going to take back and adjust a little bit my take which was that Jimmy Butler the way he's being used right now is pretty much the best wide receiver in the league and then on the other end I said on the spaces that he was the best cornerback in the league when in reality it's the best safety so I just had I wanted to correct that but really what I'm just trying to say is he's being used in a way now where he's free to do everything he actually wants to do right and I'm sure that he loves to play make but having that burden that he had the past couple of seasons where he was the main guy initiating and having to kind of you know make something happen from the top of the key a lot of times and and get past a couple defenders to look for free throws. I just think he had it a little bit tougher, right? When it comes to just uh, scoring and scoring efficiency. Whereas now, like we talked about in other shows, he's really just getting the ball in, in the spots that he likes to score it from. He's getting mismatches half the time. He's being used as a roller, as a screener and roller with other guards, whether it be Tyler, Kyle. Uh, now I'm just really waiting on it to see that same exact aspect just with Bam. I would love to see some inverted pick and roll with Bam running some of that uh, along with Jimmy as a screener. But, man, like, he's really just getting it easy right now. I think that's why he's so efficient. Like uh, yeah, like you mentioned, he's his percentages are great. He has a career high at the moment, obviously small, uh, short sample, but career high true shooting, career high effective field goal percentage. Like, he just looks great right now. And I think this is something that's going to sustain itself. Like, we'll see where the numbers uh, pan out. I just think this is probably one of the most important layers of Lowry's impact at the moment is just being able to have this layer of, okay, Jimmy is the go-to scorer now. And you mentioned Lowry's impact, and you can't, we can't do this. But if you take out the game that Kyle missed, the numbers are even better. I mean, because I, in that game, Jimmy sort of had to go back to that other role. Uh, Marco, when you look at it, where else can he get to this season? Like, what, 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 what can he still – now that he's kind of figured out, okay, I'm going to have a bunch of mismatches in the post against guys who are six foot three, uh, simply because, again, the offense is being run correctly. Uh, wh- where can he take his game? I mean, I, it feels to me like he's not even – I don't. he's not laboring to do this. Like, that's the thing. So, so it feels like there's more upside. I think the I think the one thing I've noticed is his uh, finishing inside has definitely gone down over the past you know couple of years. Uh, Tyler Hero is hitting more shots in the paint than him, uh, which is surprising to me. Uh, I think that that's the one area where he can improve the most, and I hope I think he will because Jimmy's been he's always been the kind of guy that has these ups and downs throughout a season in terms of finishing inside. I was looking at his numbers earlier, and like they kind of fluctuate month to month, but at the end they kind of even themselves out. So I'm not worried about that. Uh, I do love the way they've been using him as a roller, and I think they should keep doing that. Uh, Duncan Robinson and him have a great chemistry on the two-man game. Uh, I pointed that out yesterday in the Pacers game. That was their go-to offense without Kyle Lowry. I think they should use that more because Jimmy's such a good – he's a good roller. He knows how to read and make a secondary read uh, coming off those screens. He's he's like a big man in a shooting guard's body, Uh, surprisingly. He's not a shooting guard. Uh, that's another area I guess you could point is the three-pointers, but I'm not worried about that uh, right now. But I'm glad he has so much lift on his jumper. Uh, I can definitely see him taking at least two threes a game throughout the course of the year, uh, and I'd be happy with that as long as, you know, he keeps up the percentages where they were before he got to Miami, which is I know that's a thing Heat fans hate because the percentages dipped pretty uh, insurmountably as soon as he got here. So as long as you keep that up, I can't really see how much better he can get. Uh, just the way they use him is I'm, I'm excited for just what they have in store for the rest of the year. Yeah. And the threes he's made are rhythm threes. Uh, they're exactly. You know, 
and he has to be otherwise it's not going to go down so let's pivot here a little bit i mean let's let's make an assumption that you know it's a difficult assumption but let's assume that he can play 75 plus games okay which i don't even know if they want him to play more than that to be honest i think they're going to try to spread it out a little bit and, and make sure he gets his nights off this season because you know as a longtime nba executive texted me last night during the game we were going back and forth and he basically said if they can get Lowry and Jimmy fresh into the playoffs. They're my favorite. Um, and so the, I, the Heat know that. The Heat know that they have to keep the two of them fresh. So I, I don't know that Jimmy would play more than, say, 75. Most seasons in the NBA, he hasn't played more than 68, okay, if, if you look back, which is one of the reasons I've never really been freaked out by the minute counts because he's missed so many games over the course of his career. But let's assume 75. And let's assume there's a level close to where he's played at so far, okay? Let's have the MVP conversation. Can he really get into it? And I think some of this is process of elimination of others, right? Okay, so the first part is, let's start here. Will he separate himself enough from the other players on the Heat, Greg, that he can be the MVP? Because we have seen that with certain guys, it does become challenging. I mean, even in LA, we've talked about this, uh, you know, whether, you know, would, would LeBron win another MVP when he's playing with AD, if AD's in there? Or in Brooklyn, when you thought you had Kyrie and Harden, would... Durant be able to win another MVP. If Bam continues to progress and Hero is sixth man of the year and say Spo is in coach of the year consideration, which it looks more legitimate than I thought it was prior to the season, can Jimmy, let's start on the, the Heat side first. Can he separate himself enough, like Giannis does say with Milwaukee, to, to enter that conversation? I, th- I think so. And I think it's because there's a couple, a couple reasons why. One, there's enough awards to go around. Bam can have the defensive player of the year award. We can give the MVP to Jimmy and then six <laughs> man of the year to Tyler and coach of the year to Spo and everyone's happy. But um, no, I think that the two-way stuff for a wing, and I know that Bam gets the praise because he can stay in front of Steph one night and then he's down in the post the next night and stuff like that. But the way that Jimmy is scoring combined with his two-way stuff, when you can get up around 25 points a game, if he can stay in that, realm of a of a robust scoring season and then also be that two-way player then it's going to come down to he won't separate himself that much from the other heat players nor will he separate himself statistically from other mvp candidates quite frankly it's going to come down to record and if this team is like gearing up for a one seed kind of situation as they go down the stretch that's going to be huge for the in the voters eyes i think that's like that's where Miami could become kind of this favorite for the awards because all of a sudden, um, even though everyone knew they'd be good, no one thought they would be this good. So I think that that's where uh, they could end up having advantages from the awards, mm-hmm. whereas usually they're at a disadvantage from them. All right. So let's look at some of the other guys around the league. I'll start with you here, Marco. Um, so the typical favorites, right? Coming into a season, Giannis is, is a favorite. Obviously he's won it twice. Uh, Do you think there would be Giannis fatigue? If Giannis puts up his usual numbers, Milwaukee's a top two team in the East. Do you think there would be Giannis fatigue? I think so. Uh, And, you know, we saw that with LeBron James when he was down here uh, in 13, 14. He could have easily been an MVP that year. Uh, But, you know, the voters really were like, eh, we're going to give it to somebody else. And, you know, Kevin Durant was a good choice at the time. So uh, that happens a lot in these MVP stuff, like, uh, Shaquille O'Neal could have won it so many years. He's a guy that gets compared to Giannis all the time, and he was so dominant. But you know, the voters 
they really want to give these awards. They want to spread them out. Uh, they, they don't want to admit that, but they know they do. And I think, yeah, fatigue can be a factor there. It, it's a narrative award a lot of times. All right. So, Alex, let, let, let's look. Uh, do you think there's anything that Jokic could do, considering I think I feel like he was a reluctant vote by most of the voters last year it was kind of like, well, there's really nobody else. Uh, and I, again, I don't want to disparage it, but it's, it's not going to go down as like one of the all time MVP seasons. Do you, do you see, see any way that Jokic could win back to back here? Yeah, for sure. I think you talk about it being a narrative vote. Like if the Nuggets come out and have a really strong regular season, which by the way, Jokic is off to a really hot start. Mm. Uh, he's he looks great once again. Like if they have a really strong season, they get a home court seed. Uh, and he's just putting up, let's say, better numbers where it just stands out even more. I think there's a chance he could get in there. I just feel like people are going to understand how much of a burden he's carrying without Jamal Murray there because everybody understands how much Jamal Murray provides for them. So I think that actually may help him. And I think they're the type of team that could survive losing him for the regular season. So maybe. But the thing to me more than any one specific guy is that this is a year where I feel like there's so much parity at the moment. Maybe I'm going to be wrong about that in a few months. Maybe it just comes down. Uh, and it really narrows itself. But I feel like because of that, there's going to be a lot of different guys who have a pretty good case as an MVP candidate. Uh, so maybe that's going to be the ultimate reason Jimmy uh, doesn't get in there right. Like, But if he sustains it, so, like himself at the performance he, he's currently putting on, with the stat line he's currently putting on, the Heat keep winning and just kind of uh, dominating the regular season, he's going to be in there. Let's go through some of the other names here. Uh, and let's do them rapid fire here. Uh, what would Luca have to do to to enter to to enter serious consideration here, Greg? Top two seed in the West. Okay, which they're not getting there. So I mean, I mean, his numbers would have to be outrageous. Yeah, they're, I, they're not giving it to the stat stuffing, amazing young player who's on a seven seed. That's just right. not happening. Like uh, right. that's where, like that's um, where I just don't think Luca can get in the conversation as great as he is. Hmm. Durant, can he get in the conversation, Marco? How, what has to happen? I mean, he's won it before. I, there's no fatigue now. It's been a little while. Uh, pre, he was a preseason favorite. I'm going to say yes if they win, like, 60-some-plus games and he puts, like, in crazy numbers. Especially if but, Harry does not come back, right? Yeah, that's the that's the big narrative I see. And if Harden, you know, struggles more. But he's gotten back to his game, so you never know. They might take some votes away because of Harden, but I, I still think he has a shot. Alex, how high does does Golden State have to get in the West for Curry to be seriously considered? I I feel like there's a narrative that would push towards him instead of away from. I think voters want to vote for him. They like him, uh, and and they like the story there, right? Uh, Alex, you go, and then Greg. Yeah, for sure. That that was one of the names I was thinking of just now when we were kind of going through it. And look, like they get a top three seed, he's he's going to be in there. I think he's gonna have another dominant season again because he's that good. And then Clay's going to come back, and I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a season where maybe they pop off a little bit. And it's, like I said before, maybe there's not any super teams in the West. God knows it's not the Lakers. So uh, it could be a season where the Warriors come out on top in the regular season. Uh, it just depends on how well they hold it together while Clay is gone. But if they're they're balling with Clay gone, I think that's kind of the foundation for Steph to get into that MVP conversation if they start really hot. 
Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I, I like Steph for this award. And I, I actually, in our five reasons predictions column, picked Steph as the MVP because I had a feeling that it would go in this direction, that they were going to overperform. And there's going to be stretches throughout the year where some of these guys go on these crazy runs, like these yeah. three-week runs where he averages 42 points a game and he's hitting 11 threes every night. And that kind of stuff, I feel like, like with James Harden back when he was with Houston, uh, it's when he was having those crazy moments throughout a season, like that swung the narrative and the vote. And you could see people start to get on the bandwagon. So I, I just feel like Steph's more capable of doing that than anybody than having those robust months. So that's where to me, he's like the, the dark horse um, that would get that award out of the West for me. Is there a name I'm missing? I mean, it's not going to be Braun this year. I, you know, I wrote a column about LeBron in 2015 that he would never win another MVP. Um, he wasn't thrilled about the column, but, the, but the, the reason, uh, I wrote it was for LeBron. The only way he was ever going to win was if he exceeded expect his own, he exceeded what he'd done previously, which was nearly impossible at that stage, or was on a team that wasn't expected to win, which is almost impossible when you're LeBron. I, I just, I never thought he would win another and he, he likely won't win another. If you look at the history of MVPs too, it's a very small list of guys who won past age 32, um, Steve Nash did it, uh, but there's a it's a, it's it's a very, it's a handful of guys. It's it's not a lot. It does not happen a lot. So I I never thought he would win another one, and he's not going to win one this year. Uh, but is there anybody else that I'm missing? Like Dame could carry Portland, right? But he's not doing Are, it so you're far. You're not buying Washington at five and one with Beal leading the way, or Chicago well, Montrez five Harrell and is one fifth on the NBA.com's MVP ladder, which I guess invalidated the Jimmy being first. Montrez Harrell seriously is number five. Yeah, that's where this is real small sample size stuff. But like that's, I guess I don't expect either of those teams to remain as good as they've played right. so far. So that's where I, I, I still Can go Trey back get in to the conversation. State. Yeah, I mean, they're 500, so they could easily be a two seed in two weeks. So like that's the funny part about this conversation is it could change very fast. Alex, I know you've got some Jimmy stats and then I want to get to some Jimmy narrative stuff. Yeah, so basically, while perusing through basketball reference and some of J Jimmy's stuff, again, small sample, always got to go with that disclaimer. But Jimmy's win shares per 48, <laughs> this is the highest of his career and by far. And what I'm saying right now is... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, it's .387, the second highest in his career, .255. Mm -hmm. So it completely blows the water out of everything else. I know that some... Nerdy stat, you know, win shares per 48 as described by basketball reference, an estimate of the number of wins contributed by a player per 48 minutes, right? And then on top of that, you've got the steals percentage. It's the, also the highest of his career. It's at 4.0, and the closest was last season at 3.1. And then other than that, it was it's hanging around uh, the twos for the rest of his career. So, you know, just a couple of different ways where, like I said, Jimmy's being optimized and kind of get, getting to do everything he wants at, just at a higher level. I think the, the issues that Jimmy's going to have from a narrative perspective, other than the fact that I think we agree the national media doesn't love to look at Miami. Um, 
But I, I think a couple things. One, a lot of people nationally didn't like the move of Jimmy to Miami, which I think hurts because they don't want to admit that they were wrong, uh, particularly about him and the way that he interacts with the team. And so I think that that becomes a little bit of a challenge there. I also don't know that Jimmy would go for it. Uh, I, I feel like that's a big thing here. Like LeBron went for it. Like LeBron was upset when he didn't get it. LeBron was upset at those of us who didn't vote for him. Uh, he knew who voted for him, who didn't. Jimmy couldn't give a damn. He just, he does not care. Okay. And I'm, it's not, that's not for show. That's the people around him tell you that he does not care. It doesn't matter to him. Uh, and so I just think if, if you're looking like two, three weeks left in the regular season and it's a tight MVP race and Steph Curry's scoring 45 a night for Golden State, carrying them to a four seed and you're like, OK, so and Jimmy's going to take a night off like I, I just I don't, he's not going to push in that direction. I think that hurts him. Um, I also don't know that Miami would really push for him uh, for a few reasons. I, and one of them is uh, the first thing, they don't do that a lot, uh, but also you know, they've got a lot of other guys that they want to push like Bam. I think they're going to get out in front of it with Bam for defensive player of the year this year, because they, I don't, I think they did a poor job of that last year, to be honest. Uh, and so, and the, and hero and others, I, I don't know that they're going to, I don't know that Jimmy's going to have the tailwind uh, to push him across the end line, uh, but I do think he could be top five. I also think people who don't think Jimmy Butler is a top 10 player are going to have a hard time voting for him to be MVP. And most, most NBA people don't, think he's a top 10 player they put him in that 11 to 15 category so those are all reasons that i don't think it will happen but the very fact that we're having this conversation and we're able to put jimmy butler's uh line next to lebron james's line <laughs> from lebron james's best ever season gives you an indication of where they're at all right when we come back we're going to introduce a new segment here with our friend marco and it is sponsored by as is this episode everything trade shows because if you're roaming the country look at that if you're roaming the country looking to go to trade shows you will likely see the work of everything trade shows there and if you live here in fort lauderdale the office is here so you might as well just stop in go to everythingtradeshows.com everythingtradeshows.com they're based right here off of las olas but they service all 50 states Trade shows are back everywhere. They're all over the place. Okay. It's like almost like COVID never happened. Logistics, booth, graphics, furniture, flooring. They handle everything, including some tips to get you noticed. They'll teach you the difference between renting and buying. Again, they're based right here in Lauderdale, but they can service all 50 states. So schedule a free consultation and make sure you mention five reasons to get a free booth rendering. Mention five reasons you get a free booth rendering. In addition to the consultation, they'll show exactly what it's going to look like. Here's the phone number. Uh, reach out, say, you know, Chris saying five reasons, whatever it is you want to say, they'll take care of you there. Take care of you anyway, but even better care. If you mentioned five reasons, 954-791-8882, 954-791-8882. That's everything tradeshows.com. And now a new segment. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time. For your weekly NBA update, with none other than Five Reasons Sports Writer and Paramore Extraordinaire, Marco Romo. Let's Marco roam around the league, shall we? Take it away, Marco. Alright, we are back. With Marco, I don't even know how we want to do this, Marco. How do we want to do this? I, I'm going to set you up. Or are you are you going to give us a speech? What, how are we handling this? All right. Uh, I guess I'll set it up first. 
Uh, what I'm going to do is pretty much update you guys on what's going around the league and bounce some stuff off of you guys. You guys can ask me questions about any team or any like thing, any news kind of thing you guys want to talk about, or I can just start us off. Uh, this week, I'm just going to start us off by talking about the state of the league so far. And I think it's on everybody's mind, the physicality, the fouls, everything. The I saw recently the offensive ratings are at worst they've been since I think 2003. I don't know, fact check me on that, but I saw something, it was something crazy like that. And Miami, uh, we just talked about Miami, their offense looked a little brutal after the first uh, week. Their defense looked awesome, but uh, their offense still somehow ended up fourth in the league right now in terms of offensive rating, which tells you just how bad offense has been this year. Uh, it's been a topic of discussion uh, Everywhere I've been, a lot of NBA chats I've been in, debates. Uh, Mike Prada did a good um, thread about this, about how people, there's been a lot of hand-checking allowed this year, and that's not exactly a good thing. Uh, I love the physicality at the rim and all this, the physicality that let him get away, you know, at times, but the hand-checking, I don't want to see us revert back to that sort of uh, basketball. You have, I think there's going to be, a, there's been a big overcorrection around the league I don't know if you guys have noticed it, uh, but there's been a big overcorrection, especially at guys going into the rim. And I feel like James Harden had somewhat of a point. It's just that coming from his mouth, it probably was a little rough for people to hear. Uh, but I think he had a point that there's been some calls that have been missed. Uh, I don't know if it's going to get corrected in the middle of the season. I feel like there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to come back to where they were. I think offenses are going to find their way, but it's like 90s ball out there and some people love it, but there's also a little bit uh, give, give and take. I don't know if what you guys have noticed so far this year. Yeah. I, I mean, my inclination is to like it, um, but maybe that's my age, I guess, uh, you know, I have I, the I, same I, inclination and, and I'm closer to your age than these other cats. So yeah, we'll probably I, like, I, I like it. Boat. And I think heat fans should like it because I think it plays into the style that they want. I think it's a strongest survive type style. Um, I'm with you a little bit on the hand checking. I don't love that uh, that much, but at the same time, it had gone. It had. I mean, we talk about overcorrecting, but I mean, it had gone so far the other direction that I mean, you couldn't. You know, again, it's like the NFL where you can't touch anybody, and and the quarterbacks are throwing for 350 unless you know unless you have two as offensive line. Um, it where where it, it it went too far that direction. I I understand that people like scoring. I understand that people like free flowing offense. Um, and they want stars to be stars. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, by freeing them, what David Stern and then Silver did uh, with the rules changes made bigger stars out of certain guys. OK, it's particularly smaller players, OK, who have been able to really thrive. The Trey Youngs of the world, OK, kind of the I guess you would call them the descendants of Allen Iverson, I guess. Um, and and so I, I get and Dwayne to a certain extent. Uh, but but I, I think it had gone too far. And I think that this is going to force. Uh, guys to get better offensively and to figure out counters to this. And so I do think I'm with you, Mark. I think it will correct a little bit by the end of the regular season. I think there's always an overemphasis early when yeah. there are new role changes. Setting and I think it will come. Yeah. Th and then it will come back a little bit. It will come back. But in the meantime, I think some of these offensive players will get better because they will be okay. I can't do this anymore. Um, and I just don't want to hear them whine about it. That's all. I mean, I, you know, my feelings about Harden, but I just, I, I guys, I just don't, I, <laughs> I want them to adjust. Jimmy Butler's adjusting. Like Greg mentioned, his free throw attempts are about where they were before. 
Um, so I don't really have a lot of sympathy for the guys whose free throw attempts have been cut in half. That's how I view it. Yeah, and Dame I think so. is, oh, sorry. I just wanted to mention like Dame is one of the guys I've noticed it with. Like everyone talks about James Harden. Cause I think the flailing makes it so obvious that you're seeing the impact, mm-hmm. but Dame's free throws, like, the last few years, he's been like at seven and a half free throws, eight free throws almost consistently. He is at four free throws a game. He's shooting 26% from three. Like to me, I guess if we're going to roam around the NBA, Marco, I'll ask you this. Do you think Dame is struggling from the change in officiating or does does his ass just not want to be in Portland anymore? Uh, I, was, I was literally just watching Portland before uh, we started this. Uh, they played Charlotte tonight. His jumper just looks off. Uh, I think there was some reports about there being uh, injury this offseason uh, that still might be lingering throughout this year. Uh, and I can see that because his jumper, I think he was one for seven at one point tonight from three. It's just been off. Uh, and a lot of that, he's been kind of afraid to go inside as much this year. Uh, he's He still wants to, you know, I think he, he doesn't look disengaged out there at all. Uh, the team around him is the same as last year, pretty much outside of Larry Nance Jr., uh, teams have gotten better. They have kind of just plateaued. Uh, I think it's just a matter of Dame not hitting his shots. And also he's kind of, I don't, I don't want to say just afraid to be physical, but it kind of looks that way from what I've seen. Uh, I think he'll probably uh, get better, you know, as the season goes along, maybe the injury heals up a little better, but I, I think he'll be fine. Uh, the foul thing, I, I do want to give Greg credit on no- noticing that because, uh, I follow a lot of people in Portland. They call them, uh, what is uh, the Grift King at times? Uh, mm-hmm. There's a certain, they say Dame time and there's also uh, Grift time. Uh, it's one of the funniest things I, I see on Twitter because he wants, whenever he wants a foul, he gets it or he used to get it. Uh, and that's been a problem for him is he hasn't been able to get those calls to, you know, kind of settle himself in. And I think that's kind of really hurt his game uh, to an extent. Alex, any thoughts before we move to the next topic? I'm interested to see how this plays out. Uh, so far, I, like I'm kind of with you guys, I lean towards liking it. Uh, I'm interested to see, like, if some of the stuff we've seen with trends with star players, like Marco's talking about, uh, just continues to play out like it has throughout the season. And I know you mentioned that you think it's gonna, it's gonna, uh, you know, kind of go back a little bit. You know, it's not gonna stay on so far on this end of the spectrum. I'm not as sure. Because I feel like the referees have probably been wanting to do stuff like this. I've probably been waiting for these changes, right? Because it just makes their, I feel like it makes their job so much easier when things are kind of outlined specifically on and, and outlawed specifically as far as what can and can't be done on the court. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm interested. I love physical basketball. So I'm kind of with it for now. I'm just not sure exactly how it plays out. I'm a little bit skeptical that it stays this physical. Marco, you got one more topic for us? All right, uh, I'm going to give you guys uh, – this is the thing I want to do every week is uh, teams that kind of impressed me or just that have that have caught my eye uh, for the week. Uh, and I think I'll give you guys three teams, and I'll see which guys which team you guys want to jump on uh, first. Uh, I have one team. Uh, <laughs> weirdly enough, Greg mentioned them, uh, the Washington Wizards, uh, who I think people were a little too low on them coming into the year. Uh, I think when you have that many – average NBA players, your floor is going to be really high. Uh, your ceiling may not be that, that all that high, but your floor, you're going to be at least a 500 team. And I saw way too many people pick them to be outside of the play-in, which was, I think, crazy to me. 
uh, I don't know what you guys had them as, but I, I definitely had them at least as a seven seed because I saw just how how many teams in the league have so many guys that just can't play. The Wizards have a lot of guys that you can just play night in and night out, and a lot of defensive guys that the Lakers probably wish they had right now. Uh, but we won't we won't get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another another team, uh, the Bulls. Uh, I wasn't uh, a believer in their start this year. Uh, but I was impressed. Uh, I watched their game against Utah. I watched a couple of their other games, uh, the Raptors game where they almost collapsed. But the thing I've been impressed with is their defense. Uh, I didn't. I thought the offense would come a lot easier than their defense, but it's really been their defense that's held them up so far. Uh, I think the loss of Patrick Williams really hurts them. Uh, I really hate that. Patrick's like one of my favorite young guys in the league. Uh, I love watching him play uh, on defense because people compare him to Kawhi on the defensive end. I think that's more of a body type thing, uh, but he has some great instincts and I think they'll miss him a lot, but I find them really, really fun to watch on that end, which was surprising to me. Uh, Vucevic has really struggled uh, mm-hmm. shooting. So I think he'll get back there uh, when the season ends though. Uh, I think he's shooting less than 20% from three so far, but he'll be better uh, as the season goes along. And the last team is the Cleveland Cavaliers who I kind of had as a sleeper pick to at least make the play in as like a 10 spot team. Uh, and this year they kind of proven me right, uh, which I didn't even expect because I thought they were going to barely win 20 games realistically. Uh, I hope they'd be the 10 seed, but Evan Mobley, th- th- he's like a young Anthony Davis. And I don't think that's hyperbole at all when you watch how he affects uh, games and how he can break offenses. Uh, and the fact that they're running three bigs, talk about 90s ball. They're playing three seven-footers uh, in their front court, uh, and it's working. They've actually gotten Larry Markin in to play defense, which I think makes Bulls fans mad. But, I mean, it's great to see that uh, bigger staff has, like, gotten this much out of their team so far. And Ricky Rubio is putting up, like, insane numbers. Uh, he's been always been a solid player, but he's actually looking to shoot more this year, and he's actually hitting some of those shots. I don't know. Those are three teams that have really impressed me. Uh, I don't know which three you guys want to jump on uh, here. Well, all right, let's start here. I mean, the, the first, I mean, Chicago is a team I think that that has the most relevance because I, I still they have the highest ceiling, I think, of all the, the teams that you've mentioned there. And, you know, I, my thing on Chicago is and the reason I thought that they would be competitive is that Billy can coach defense. I mean, he, he typically has. He's done it at every level. I mean, those Oklahoma City teams that overachieved with him, uh, they defended. I mean, you know, even without necessarily great defenders on them. So uh, I, I do I have respect for him for what he can do on that end. Um, to me, the pieces are not perfect fits, uh, you know, and, and I think there's going to be some questions as they kind of get deeper into things because DeRozan's always been a poor postseason player. Uh, and, and who is, who are they going to kind of lean towards there? I mean, Vucevic doesn't have much postseason experience at all. Um, and, I mean, he's never really gotten a whole lot of opportunities with Orlando. So is Levine, who, who is your go-to guy? Who, who are they going to decide they're going to go to? And also is Lonzo going to be really handed the rock to do some things instead of just being a spot up shooter, which is kind of what he turned into. Uh, but they have the highest ceiling of the three uh, to me, a successful season for Cleveland would be 32 wins. I, I think they, you know, something along those lines. No, I'm not saying that because I hate the city is all I do. Uh, but I, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm friendly with the general manager. So it's not like I, I, I'm not like I'm rooting against them, but I'm just saying like, I, I just think to me, that's a successful ceiling for them. I mean, if they got to 32 wins, with having now, you know, a core young play big to build around. I think that's positive. I don't see them as a play in team. Uh, Washington's weird 
I, I know what you're saying, Marco. Like you have a certain amount of average players, you know, and we saw that with the heat. Like remember that little stretch where Josh Richardson was their best player. You had like a bunch of B minus guys on the team. You can be competitive for that period of time, but you are capped out. Um, and I also don't think unless Bradley Beal is going to decide to defend a day in his life, the rest of, you know, I, I don't know how far they can go when their best player doesn't defend anymore. So uh, play in maybe, I think they're a little bit better than Cleveland, but I think when we start to talk about playing teams, there's not a whole lot of teams in the East you can eliminate. I mean, Detroit and Orlando is pretty much it. So I, I don't know necessarily that they get there, but I'll, I'll let Greg or Alex weigh in on the three. No, I was just going to say that uh, I had Wes Unsell Jr. as the first head coach fired this year, so I am not buying he's a Washington. Johns Hop- he's a Johns Hopkins alum. I covered him in college because uh, his his and so I I'm I'm biased. Um, he's the, he's he's the best player I've ever seen at Johns Hopkins Division three, you know. So I so I I'm biased. I'm, I'm a Wes Unsell fan, but yes, I agree with you. I I did I didn't expect it to work out very well. Anyway, and and it's in they're playing as good as they are and Bradley Beal's not shooting well from three. I think he's in the 20. I mean, Marco mentioned someone shooting 20%. I think also Bradley Beal is in that area. Uh, Chicago can't rebound. I think they're last in the league in rebounding. They got to correct that. And like, I I'm in Vucevic has always been a really big time rebounder. So I'm interested to see how that plays out, especially with Patrick Williams out. I think you bring up good teams. I refuse to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I'll let Alex talk about them. Alex, go ahead. Wow. Now I got to talk about the Cavs. I really, I really wanted to talk about the Wizards and the Bulls more than the Cavs, to be honest. Although I like Mobley, there's not much more I can say than what Marco already said that he's just super damn impressive and kind of shows some of those uh, things Bam has on defense as far as being able to, you know, be mobile, uh, you know, be in multiple coverages this early on in his career, do it super long. Anyways, let's get to the good stuff. The Wizards, man, like. They're five and one. I'm surprised. I got to say, I agree with Marco that they got a lot of like pretty good players, right? A lot of rotation players and they're pretty deep with them. And that's not something I can usually say about the Washington Wizards, right? So having that depth along with Beal and Dinwiddie at the top, I think they're going to be okay. They're going to be in that playing area. I don't really disagree with anything you guys said there. I just think they're going to be a more fun team to watch in general than they have been over the past few years. So, you know, good for Bradley Beal to get some sort of payoff there. Uh, <laughs> you know, I guess because that's what he wants, because it's not going to be playoff success. And I think he knows that uh, as far as the Washington Wizards. Now, the Bulls, man, they're interesting. The fact that they're second to last in rebound percentage is really interesting. Like you said, because Vucevic, Vucevic has always been such a great rebounder. I wonder if they start Alizé Johnson at the four as a result, because I feel like that's like the one thing he really brings uh, when it comes to, you know, like being in the NBA is yeah, rebounding some decent defense. You're right. I don't know, because now that uh, Patrick Williams is out for the season, it's either him or Derek Jones Jr. if they're going to go with one of their traditional fours on the roster. So we'll see. But um, the Bulls, is, it's interesting to me because, like you said, Ethan, uh, Billy Donovan has always been a good defensive coach, and he always coaches up kind of even uh, like what you would expect from a personnel similar to what Spo does, I feel. And the Bulls right now are six in defensive rating, and 10th and offensive rating, what you probably would think that would be inverted, if anything, mm-hmm. right? So I like what they have there. I think Levine is clearly the go-to guy. I think he is a special type of scorer, and the fact that they've given, given him other weapons to take the burden off is great. I think, I mean, for them, you got Vucevic there who can take pressure off. I think you have him there in the high post, and it just makes life easier for DeRozan and Levine to attack. Uh, I don't know. I like Lonzo and Caruso's point of attack defense. I think they're a pretty good team, just missing maybe – 
one or two extra rotation players. I just don't know how far they go in the playoffs. I think this is one of the more fun teams to watch this season, though. Well, we'll see, too, because buyouts uh, may decide some of the Although buyouts never decide anything. I, I, I always <laughs> say that. And it's like, and then I'm like, none, none of them end up where I mean, Troy, where's Troy Murphy, right? Mike Bibby. Yeah, just uh, the but, Heat's buyouts work out. Well, not Mike Bibby. That is true. That that well, Thad Young is that's the guy. Well, that boy, he would be a nice fit with the Heat. We'll see. Uh, Marco, thank (laughs) thank you. We will do more of this. Uh, We will do more of this next time. Uh, We will make uh, Alex talk about the Cavaliers every single week. You can follow on that Marco Romo underscore uh, sponsored by this is sponsored by everythingtradeshows.com. Reach out to them, prizepicks.com. Make sure you're using that code FIV. And of course, I always mention this manscaped.com if you want any of their grooming or cologne or any of their other products. Go to 5RSN. That's where you can find it. And I will end the episode this way. Marco, thank you for joining us. Your balls and your body will thank you. Have a good night. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.